You're listening to The Razor's Edge, an investing podcast. Your hosts are Akram's Razor, an investor, trader, short seller, and deep dive researcher for the last two decades plus, and me, Daniel Schwartzman, who's worked in investing media the last decade while managing my own stocks. We break down investing themes or ideas and speak with expert guests to get a wider understanding of a given topic. To get episodes of The Razor's Edge, Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you have a chance, or share this show with a friend. Reach us on Twitter at at Daniel Shortman or at Akram's Razor. You can subscribe to Akram's The Razor's Edge newsletter at the-razors-edge.ghost.io. The link is in Akram's Twitter profile. Here's our disclosure. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively, or to our guests when we have them. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. We'll disclose any positions and any stocks discussed in the introduction to a given episode. This week, we're breaking new ground on the razor's edge with our first full episode spotlight on Roku. We've talked about the TV operating system company before, but never for a full episode, and their performance this quarter merits a closer look. After Snapchat kicked off the modern advertising sector's reporting for the quarter with a bomb, the big names showed more stability, and then Roku bookended with another dud of a quarter, dropping 23% as it missed numbers, showed weak guidance, and the market prepared for the company to have flat to negative performance in the second half of the year. Could we have seen this coming? And what does it say for the company going forward? We break down the black box aspects of Roku, whether it will be forced to become more transparent about certain segments of the business, and why it might or might not be appealing to investors in the space. Before we start, Akram is long Roku as part of a speculation basket, and I am long booking, which comes up briefly. Here we go. Akram, uh, morning, how you doing? Morning, good to be here. We I'm all right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> gave gave me the guest guest talk. Um busy week last week. We're recording this on Sunday after the week of all the bang stocks, not counting Netflix, which reported the week before. We've got the we had the back-to-back Tuesday through Thursday of what do we have? We had Alphabet and Microsoft to start, then we had Facebook. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean it's really you know, I mean, since we bit, last did this, we've we've had Netflix, uh, Snapchat, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and you know Amazon, Microsoft, Apple. Yeah, I really guess, the uh, busiest, busiest, busiest week of the summer. I think I saw yeah. a few service, people call service it now in SaaS. Yeah. So, Sassy listeners. One of the last stocks that reported was stock in your your speculation basket, and also stock that it's been. COVID winner, growth name, exciting, taking on platform play sort of play, Roku. And we were talking about this before we started recording. Roku is, uh, it's it's connected to the advertising space. It's connected to the streaming space. Two of the areas we've focused on a lot. It got slammed. It's sort of an interesting, there's like a lot of, not noise it's it's cloudy to understand what's going on with Roku a little bit based on their business model so what's your the stock sold off i think some 25% it's around 65 bucks a share this was once in what 400 was the all time high so 
Yeah, I mean, Roku's in the category of, uh, you know, I was essentially a bear the entire time of uh, of COVID on this game. Did not participate in its upside. Uh, shorted it some uh, last year. You know, thought like at around 150, uh, it would bottom. Uh, and then got involved on the long side, uh, you know, considering I've spent so much time uh, debating this thing versus Netflix, you know, in the in the category of a Netflix bowl and like a, not necessarily going like, you know, when you debate, like we spent so much time debating Roku last year and people want to be like, hey, it's a platform, not just stick, you know, they made it like they pivoted and people misunderstand it. It's like, guys, we understood that in like 1819, right? I mean, I was long this stock from like 55 to 100, right, uh, back in the day. And then like I started shorting it multiple times over 100, uh, <clears throat> unsuccessfully, obviously, uh, but like not with like a, you know, a persistently lo- long-term view, but like I-, I definitely lean more in the camp that it's got like TiVo-related type problems in terms of what it's doing. Uh, and we can get into that you know later but yeah like once once it reported last quarter and it came down you know i started buying some in in the, in the 120 range which is now almost down 50 percent uh yeah i mean it's like you know a low single digit uh percentage of the portfolio it's we're, we're you know, in the same category of you know trying to bottom check alibaba I mean, pretty much everything there hasn't worked. It's been like a 500 basis points drag in that 10% bucket. Uh, but like, you don't have conviction to really take any real position. But like, you want you 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 want to kind of feel them out and see if sentiment has swung too negatively. And like, I think this one's an interesting thing because like it, like a lot of what what happened on this quarter, I'd say, has a lot more to do with that than anything unique to the business. Uh, by that you mean to do with sort of the general environment in the sector, right? Or what do you mean? By I'm that? saying I'm saying like I'm saying it has more to do with you know like actual missing and uh, in like some sort of an investor base that believed that they were going to be like so uniquely exempt to what's transpiring that it bordered on irrationality. And that if you were like, look, you're, you're not willing to buy it going into the print. Okay. That always tells you something, which typically means you should sell it. Right. Uh, but like with a name like this, it was really hard. Their annual guidance was 35% revenue growth. The last time we heard about that, right. Like, you know, p- people were still thinking Twitter can grow 20, uh, snap can grow, you know, 30, you know, 25, 30, mm. The broader advertising space just being, you know, it, it hadn't hit its whatever you want to call it, uh, almost Armageddon esque, uh, you know, three or four weeks, whatever that that that, that hit Elon in that Twitter deal, <laughs> right? So there was just this kind of view that Roku would be exempt. Okay, so sell side consensus on this thing was like. Mm, like you know just a little under 32 i think it was like 31.8 something and you just kind of assume that like had they taken the annual guide from 35 to 20 that the stock would have been up 25 percent, right so like with that and with a small position like i mean 
let's see what happens. You saw Netflix, right? We went through that. Uh, obviously, that's been a, an interesting debate. And like, it's clearly proving, and like we've been talking about this, that subscription is more resilient. I mean, as it should be, as it was in the start of the pandemic, right? Like this is kind of the bookends of COVID. And you've seen that, like, you know, I was having this debate, you know, on, uh, on, on Twitter with respect to like, what's the measuring stick point for performance in all of this? And I think, you know, Andrew had pointed out that, uh, you know, since the, since the COVID bottom, you know, that, that Netflix is the worst performer. And I was, I was like, well, that's a horrible, you know, time to kick off of because like Netflix was an outperformer there because I mean, nobody's canceling their Netflix subscription, right? Like they were actually adding Netflix subscriptions at home. Uh, everybody else in, let's call it uh, online behavior, whether it's television, uh, you know, CTV or, or social media, they were spending more time there, but advertisers weren't, right? And like that set up this kind of, you know, cycle that worked in their favor. And like, you kind of see similar trends today, right? Like almost everybody in social media reported healthy metrics on user activity, but then this like disastrous, you know, uh, 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 fall off a cliff collapse in advertising spend. So, it, it, I mean, Roku actually did compare it to the beginning of the pandemic. The other ones didn't. So I, I will give them props on, on that, right? Where, you know, underlying usage and, and consumer behavior uh, is generating favorable signals to them, but the business model is uniquely exposed to it. And the business model should be uniquely exposed to that because I mean, it's an advertising business model, which has been a fantastic business for everybody, right? Like advertising is a great business. Uh, and right now, I mean, you've seen it on Twitter, like the sentiment around advertising is as bad as it's ever been. Which before, like step back for a second, when we advertising here, it having slowed down sort of as suddenly as it has, like you said, not a surprise that it would hit a Roku there. You saw people making points about Roku is especially oriented to brand advertising, which is even more likely to get hit in some sense, even though obviously Snapchat is more direct response and they're getting, they were the ones who kicked this off. The, how, maybe we can come back to this at the end, but it's just, it's interesting to think about how, is how much of this is just this real uncertainty versus something that's real, like how much, how important is this that advertising is slowing down? Because obviously the backdrop probably not going to go a ton of macro stuff, but July was the best week since 20 or best month since 2020 for the markets. Like it was a real counter rally to a lot of what's happened this year. And yet advertising specifically, which encompasses not just the Roku's and snaps, but the Facebook's and Google's of the world is really, yeah, is really uncertain at best. And so it's just an interesting yeah, sort of like, like, contrast. The, the takeaway is like for all the, recession fears, consumption is still strong. Let's just focus on the US since it's like such the big the, the lion's share of the pie for right. all these advertising businesses. Consumption is still strong. 
there's been this kind of focus, you know, we're hearing about layoffs and startups and hiring freezes and, you know, labor is obviously still strong, but like huge shift in consumption, you know, at the expense of e-commerce players, uh, uh, at the expense of, of, of certain elements in, in the consumer products category. And we've seen that out of like the, the giant retailers also. Yeah, Walmart's you know, warning. Just, yeah, Walmart, Target, you know, Best Buy. Uh, if you want to, you know, get into television sales and players and everything else. So like this has kind of collided uh, and you've had this like July where the VIX has really collapsed in July and it really was pronounced in the last three days. Right. And like this kind of overall view on on economic health versus rate rate hikes, you know, has led to this, you know, rotation again, uh, particularly from like, you know, CPAs who were who were, who were really short, uh, you know, back to kind of uh, a more neutral positioning. And you've seen a pronounced effect in in. A, in, in a bunch of businesses and there's like been one category that's turned into almost like that kind of rotation like trade where like you know open up slow down where they really just dump them wholesale and that's online advertising because they're like bearing the brunt of this uh you know covid uh, end of covid uh hit the brakes on inventory surging uh and uh, people traveling and going out more. So the, the return on spend just not being there. Not even even that, like just like the, the expectation really also around the uh, the consumer behavior uh, was translating into this really, really sharp reduction in, in spending in a short time period. Which, yeah, which doesn't feel i don't know i tend to be more not pollyannish but it doesn't feel like that's also very sustainable that people are just that industries are just not going to are going to be so shell-shocked that they're just going to stop spending on advertising that advertising is gonna and so that so that like well, I mean, we, if you look at the numbers the pace of the acceleration feels like that i mean that's the without question and yes it's by definition not sustainable when it decelerates that but in fact like if you kind of broke it through, uh, you know, Snapchat gave you the most linearity, and we kind of discussed this with respect to Twitter. Uh, the, the 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 pace of the deceleration was really pronounced in a short time period, and uh, it's kind of stabilized. But nobody in advertising really wants to make a a forward call on when it improves. Uh, so yeah, I would say the biggest driver is is a wholesale exit and, and a feedback loop of really negative sentiment, in which case, like, you do have to think that, I mean, if you are looking at numbers coming out of, like, you know, Microsoft and, and Apple and, and ServiceNow and, you know, the guys who have, are more stable and resilient as far as... Uh, quarter to quarter reports, you know, people like go like, I don't know what people, we went through this phase earlier in the year where everyone's like, this is the most important Microsoft report ever. And it's like, you know, is there really a such thing ever, you know, like, uh, you know, like you saw that stock trade down a little bit after hours and then there's like, oh my goodness, the guidance was so good. And it's like, 
like it's right around where you know it's being modeled so they're doing their job right and <clears throat> snapchat you know set things off in the other direction uh, and roku really comes out i mean if you look at it you know roku the lesson from roku is uh wait till the estimates come down right because Roku's just have provided no update. And like, that's kind of their policy. They don't warn intra-quarter, uh, even though it seemed like maybe in this type of environment, you should have just joined everybody else and got them the bad news out, like, you know, when Snapchat warned, right? And, and reset expectations. Um, but the, like, there, clearly there, there was a cadre of people that felt CTV, linear to CTV, so secular driven, right? That Roku is, I mean, and Roku did outperform I and mean, platform revenue is up 26%, right? In Q2. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into this tied to the, the model and the black box and the player and how it works, right? But on a forward basis, they're telling you, you know, expect that uh, to come down notably. So you go from a guidance of 35%, I think consensus is now down to 11, right? That happened in one day. So the, I, I, there, there had been a very healthy debate before they reported into what were expectations. Because I definitely was not in the category. Of, like, I thought the stock would rally uh, 20 to 25% if we went from 35% to 20% for the year. Okay. And I'd say, based on what happened, that's a fair assessment. Because you're looking now at like a high single digit expectation, right? For, for 2022. So you went from their guidance of 35, you know, sell side at like 31, 32, you know, just a little bit below their guidance um, because of the macro environment to, okay, you're, you're basically in the same category as everybody else. And of course, profitability. For like the the story with all these names, you know, is that like this has happened so quick that OPEX growth is a problem for all of them, right? Like they just they're, they're losing money instantaneously because they're growing, they're growing operating whether it's Twitter or Snapchat or Facebook, they're growing operating expenses like you know multiples, you know, of revenue growth, like 40 percent still on on a rolling basis versus revenue growth that went to zero quickly. So that, that takes you that takes you two quarters really to to to, to rein in. And uh, that's uh, that's essentially a reason to go find something that's in the other in the I mean even a Shopify which faces some of that is already better because they've they've taken you know they've taken the hit uh, they're cutting the costs right and they're like making progress on that realignment already. But so with Roku, like, so they, their guidance for next quarter is, I'm trying to, I'm looking at their um, press release right now. They, they don't, they expect 700 million in sales, which is only 3% growth. Uh, they, you're, you're, you know, expectations, basically what you're implying by expectations 
I don't have all their numbers to do the math, but it's probably like flat second half of the year or something really close to flat. I mean, it's, it's flat to negative second half right. of the year, you know, right. against uh, what is now like, you know, what is it like a 20% first half? 22, right? so that's how, 22. Yeah. yeah. So that's how you, that you land at 11. Yeah. Right. Where the numbers got too quickly. And I mean, I mean, I, look, I talked, talked to a couple of people. I mean, one, one guy was like, if they report 20% revenue growth, the stock's going to be down 25%, right? 20%, you know, in, in terms of the annual guide. And I mean, I think we can, we can say that if, if the annual guide was 20, the stock was down what, 22, 23, uh, on what has now gone to, you know, single high single digits probably for the year. So if they had been at 20, uh, I think the stock would have been up. I think it was even 15, right? The stock maybe is down eight, 10%, right? I think 20 would have been really re- relief, right? So that just kind of, that's the exercise here on, on uh, where it would have landed. And the fact that like, it was not helpful, but it was like the numbers were still uh, so far up. So, I mean, the lesson with those is don't think the market is smart enough. <laughs> I mean, who knows, you know, like to the extent that it lasts for more than uh, a few days, because, you know, it is tempting with the sentiment to come in and just be like, I should now take a real position, right? I so should what, take a real position, make 20% and, and move on and laugh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, and that's, that's sort of the question, right? Like a lot of, you know, a lot of the, meta and we're talking a lot about this what was whisper numbers or what was the buy side thinking for both the market as a whole and then individual names so like i think a lot of i saw i saw a lot of the this would be a quarter to really reset numbers this would be a quarter to really adjust and we're not seeing a ton of that but we're seeing netflix already got their reset quarter out sort of in q1 and so there that was why they rallied and Roku, you could argue they're resetting. So what would you, what you've made the point. I don't, I don't, I'm confusing whether you made it before we started talking or afterwards, you look at a Netflix business model and a subscription business model and the inputs are just a lot easier in Roku. That's a bit of a challenge. So like, what would, why, you know, if yeah, I'm Roku's looking a for black box, dude, I mean, Roku is a, Roku's a black box for investors. There's a lot that goes into this, that the thesis for almost everybody is Linear ad dollars move to CTV. They win the most. That's it. Okay. And, you know, like the translation is here's platform revenue and, and like that's transparent, but like it isn't, right? We really don't know, you know, the breakdown between the long tail of subscription video, uh, the, you know, actual uh, like components into, you know, what's coming out of like the big media companies uh, deals with them, you know, like. What do, like uh, what do the unit economics are for the Disney Plus? You know, we know they're getting a bounty, right, per sign up. Uh, you know, the splits with Hulu, like you don't, you have, like they can't tell you that because they need leverage over everybody to negotiate with. That's what we've gone through this whole in the past. With like there's like this drama. There's probably like seven people, you know, who know the exact terms of everything that's that's working on behind Just, the scenes, and they're sitting at like four companies, right? Just to dumb this down, what we're saying is that. Roku gains from every you have a Roku player, you then sign up for Hulu. Disney pays you X amount of dollars, and that's the opaqueness because 
they have to because they would otherwise be in a race you, to the bottom. Disney pays you an X amount of dollars for, for whatever new Disney subscriber you bring to Disney Plus when it launches, right? And we don't really like, we don't know the exact value in the lifetime of that, right? But there's certain accounting that goes into it. Everybody is paying you some certain amount of dollars around, let's say, being on that button, right? Like they they pointed that in. There's like the 606 accounting, which through as as player sales were outperforming and active accounts were rising, right? That takes them into a point to revise the economics of their model up, right? And recognize revenue. Now they have to revise it down, right? Because their leading indicators on 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 player accounts, essentially t- the combination of TV sales and sticks, right, is moving in the other direction. That like you have to take an accounting hit, you know, on the on on the reduced uh, sell through, right? That's going on on there with whatever your models is. They don't break that out. Uh, we don't know what is that. What is M and E? Like, there's a bunch of things that that, that factor into. Uh, how to disaggregate that platform that they will never tell you. With Netflix, I just know, I'm like, are you going to spend less on content? Okay. And uh, your cash content spend is here. This is how you amortize content. Uh, And let me figure that out. And then I will have assumptions. I mean, you saw my write-up last year where, you know, I had, I have their addressable TAM from from a a raw subscriber basis at at a little bit over 300 million, right? And they're telling you with password sharing, like if you think they're super penetrated, like they're telling you that there's a hundred million households, right, that att- attach to their 220, right, that are using Netflix. So, you know, that's 320 million, like let's say an existing base. Assume that there's a decent amount of like kind of double counting in there that factors into uh, uh, like a genuine household. So like you can say that like, you know, somewhere around 300 to 350 million, uh, if you think US and Europe are pretty mature, and that there's just like some low hanging fruit still in, in, you know, 20, 30 million subs in, in LATAM where they have the worst password sharing, right? Like it adds up. You, your math, when you do the TAM reconciles, put it that way. Okay. And, you know, that, that's when you look at it today. You know, ARC just had a, a, a Roku, I mean, you know, that's between the, this and Zoom. <laughs> driving me nuts when they do the TAM. Uh, but like way less egregious than than the Zoom. I think I think not m- much to really criticize on the TAM assumptions with them. But like still, like, you know, they're going with like there's 750 million households today, right? And you're like China, you know, and these markets, you know, Russia, for example, where like you, you knew Netflix could have maybe 50 million subscribers if it was working and they have one, you know, or 800,000, you know, because we got that based on the shutdown, right? Like if you have 800,000 today, there isn't something to change in content that's going to change that, right? Like your penetration is absolutely minuscule. So <laughs> like, yeah, maybe if you come out and outline a Russia strategy and say that there's, you know, like the government uh, has tolerated uh, a massive amount of piracy and like that's the human behavior or they have absolutely no interest in the global type of content and they don't watch anything that the rest of the world watches <laughs> you know you could you can make that argument but that's clearly not the case so clearly it has to be piracy right and that's only changing you know with the russian government you know changing with you 
Uh, so that's just not addressable tan until it does. Neither is China, right? There's people in China watching Netflix, right? And those accounts are probably being counted from wherever they are technically billed outside, right? If it's not pirated. So, and they're using a VPN. So like, these are things that I think uh, you, you just have to pull out and say, like, they're not part of the addressable market until they are for, from a regulatory perspective, right? So you look at, like, you want to look at something with a highly penetrated market today, you know, it becomes kind of obvious. Like, this is the thing with Roku now where you're just like, all right, how do you grow internationally? Like, you're clearly constrained by the pace of TV upgrades. And if you believe COVID was this kind of one-off and you hadn't launched in a lot of these markets, like, I got to wait, you know, for, you know, somebody in France, right, to buy a new television. Because if he has a TV today and uh, he can watch Netflix on it, you know, and he can watch Disney and he can watch regular TV, right? He's already got something that's kind of accommodating that. He must have something like maybe he has a, an Amazon Fire Stick, maybe he's using something from YouTube, maybe, maybe clearly there's a decent percentage that have nothing at all. But like if the future is that like it's just an integrated OS, you know. Uh, my TV needs to sell, you know, when they upgrade again. And if COVID, and, and if they just upgraded during the pandemic, you're looking at three to four, four years, right? You can make it more compelling by essentially giving it close to away for free. And I think that's like a big debate here with their players. But I mean, if you're the best player on the market and supposedly the best OS, right? Like, why do you need to give it away for free? Like that's like I think there's a there's a significant differentiation question that needs to come in here. Like when they tell you like we're absorbing the hit for our customers, you know, and that it's essentially CAC, right? Uh, you're like, well, I mean, how much do you need to absorb? Because like I want to look at the U.S. market and just be like, like start break, like this is the whole thing of the black box start being more transparent like how many players are sold in the us how many are sold outside right give me a break split the business now into two like international needs to be like another bet like another bets you know and like you need to be able to track what's going on with uh you know player versus platform and international because you're going to be willing to take the hit on on international with respect to gross margin around the player business, you're going to look at the U.S. and be like, look, you already have like, you know, half the households, right? So, I mean, I want you to run a profitable player business and like the U.S. like really needs to be, uh, like I want, to, I want to see the, I want to see the ad tech side of your business model really, right? Like the platform nature uh, of your business transparently coming across for the United States of America. Right. If I'm an investor, I want to look at that and be like, oh, they have huge market share here. All right. So like here's here's how profitable this business is because you know people just spend more time, they see more ads, and I cut more deals. Right. Like it seems to be like it would seem to be a very simple business, right? Like, like, why can't you show me today how profitable that business is? Do you think we we've seen some cases where I think you've even brought up Twilio, for example. I, I think I haven't been in the weeds, but I think you were you had 
made the case that they need to be more transparent about the difference between their classic SMS business. Yeah, whatever. I just replied to somebody who was like, uh, who was like, you know, pager duty is dog shit. You know, some, I think somebody said something about Twilio buying pager duty. And then somebody I follow on Twitter was like, I hope not. Pager duty is like poo. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I mean, I was like, pager duty very clearly sells to enterprise because it's, oh, yeah, somebody was like, Twilio sells to developers, pager duty sells to developers. And I was like, pager duty sells to enterprises, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's literally selling to Fortune 500 companies, you know, uh, across the board now. Uh, Twilio sells to developers, right? I, I mean, like we've seen the breakdown of Twilio's revenue uh, in the global 2K, even not even Fortune 500. So, and then that person replied and was like, well, they did the segment and uh, SendGrid, you know, because they have, they have the, this robust uh, uh, cash flow that comes from uh, the CPAS business and they're reinvesting it. And it's like, well, the whole business in aggregate, right, you know, since, since IPO has generated essentially like, you know, $15 million in total op- operating cash flow. So you actually really don't have any really good visibility on the uh, CPAS business being a free cash flow machine, right? Having money to reinvest is that you're throwing off excess free cash flow to buy these businesses. They're not. They're running at like, you know, total cash flow break even, getting a really high multiple, and then going out and making these acquisitions. Okay. So this idea of, uh, uh, like, and they framed this really annoyingly when they when they when they've held their calls for the last couple of years. They're like, we, they say stuff like, "We like, you know, the messaging business. It generates a lot of gross profit dollars for us to reinvest, right?" And they're like, "Does it generate free cash flow dollars for you to reinvest?" Okay, because I know it generates gross profit dollars. That's the whole fucking purpose of this, you know, API first. Right, like we get it, but the, the the supposed beauty of this model versus like let's say typical telco, right, is that you're capex light, and there's significant free cash flow. You've really had no visibility into that, right? We don't know. I mean, they've they've been, they've obviously spent a lot of money internally with like flex and developing that, and you know tr- you know tr- like their homegrown CPaaS business. Uh, Again, we really don't know, like, if you disaggregate it, like, how much has that really been? Like, what does flex cost them from an investment standpoint? And, like, how do I measure that? Like, you know, has it been, like, $100 million extra a year? In which case, there is, like, $100 million or so in an uh, in incremental free cash flow uh, from messaging uh, that's being eaten up internally before they go do these acquisitions, right? But, like, yeah, that's the thing here. I mean, you saw, like, I mean, Roku... You could have made a case, and I was thinking that like Roku is a type of company that you look at 2023 and be like, these guys, while they're investing, should be able to generate 250, 300 million in free cash flow next year. So let me do the math. Uh, you know, 35x 2023, you know, for a still long-term secular growth story, really nice, right? I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. Like if I look at Netflix at, a, at 110 billion EV today, right? I'm like, they're going to do this password sharing crackdown. Uh, content spend is going to be down. 
uh, notably in 23 versus 2022 on a, on, on a cash basis, right? And they're telling you that it's going to kind of stay there, you know, around like 17. So like I now kind of have this visibility on that being flattish and they're about to do this kind of one-off ARPU boost that is not being framed as a price hike, right? But really is, right? And, you know, it's being done in a manner uh, that like gets the people who have this, you know, who essentially free road on the uniqueness of the way streaming has worked, okay? And you haven't cared. Like you don't care for Ralph has been using our next roommate's been using your Netflix password for five years. Uh, and if the price hike comes, you're not picking up the phone and being like, yo, let's split it, right? Like, but when it comes to the point where they say, hey, you pay for so-and-so, right? You're going to be like, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, you're like, you're not raising the price on me. You're taxing me because he's using it. Like he can go get his own Netflix. So uh, that I think will work because whoever those people are out there and however many of them exist, right? Like there's, there's an active audience that's watching this regularly that pays nothing. And you're going to convert some percentage greater than zero of them into full-time subscribers, right? And then there is like this family type oriented plan where like it's so distributed and so many are using it that they're going to pay that extra amount because it's not that big of a deal. You know, the extra couple bucks, right? And if they don't, they choose not to pay it. You know, those are people on their own outside of a predominant Netflix household that at some point in time are going to be like, oh, you know, I, I, my friend just told me about this new show. Like, and I, I typically don't watch that much Netflix, but here we go. Let me sign up. <laughs> Let me sign up for the first time. Like before, you know, I would have used my, 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 my parents' password, my brother's password or whatever, or my friend's password. I can't do that anymore. So you take all that and you're like, maybe these guys get to somewhere between three and five billion in free cash flow next year. And, you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's a media business and I value it at 20 X and I don't think it's going to grow much more than, uh, you know, mid to high single digits after that. Right. Kind of just predictable uh, and organic. And that's when you come back to, you know, like, well, what will the TAN be in these markets that they haven't entered? And, you know, like, it, it, it's it's not a complicated valuation exercise, right? In Roku's case, you still think that there's this like, you know, significant period uh, ahead of CTV, linear dollars to CTV that works in their favor. So like if it's 30X next year and, you know, Netflix is 20X next year, right? Like Roku's cheap. You're willing to do that if you're still, if you're still thinking, you know, Three, three to five year, 20% CAGR from where they're at. But that's not what you're dealing with here. You're dealing with, you know, these questions that they can't provide you answers to. And a, a ton of investors who have just been on this one thesis, which like they now don't understand it, right? Well, you had this shift, but like you're all experiencing the same problem at the same time. So uh, let me just sell it because I'm wrong. Well, you're not really wrong, right? You just, it's unclear. It's harder. So that's like when we, you know, the questions are whether 
Roku, Roku will be spurred to do a better job disclosing these, you know, to the limits that they can, disclosing more of the profitability on the advertising side and so on. And then is that all that, you know, I'm not trying to put you on the spot per se, but when you said I could just buy this and bet a sentiment reversal, like is what's keeping you as somebody who's followed this, who has a small position from what would you need to see to make this more interesting? What would you need to see to say, well, as everything else is counter rallying, this isn't, maybe there's an interesting time to step in and build a position. The the first thing that makes it interesting is one, they are growing faster still than, than everybody else in advertising. Okay. And two, like it's now in that, I mean, what is it? 7 billion enterprise value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're talking, uh, like it wasn't exactly like it fell 50%, right? Like, you know, these days, these types of moves anyway, like the the volatility has ha, had been so pronounced for, for a while that like uh, it, it just drives headlines for 24 hours, right? I mean, you know, you don't actually look at it and be like, oh, this is kind of seismic and uh, it's changing. It's just really frustrating in a strong tape when this happens. Uh, and when it happens in a strong tape, but like, they're, again, they're not unique. So when you look at it, you say that the, when you can take comfort in the fact that they all look the same, right? Then you know you're going to make money just on the sector improving from an investor appetite standpoint. I think that is number one. I mean, you have people posting stuff that are just like, all these companies suck. They're not exciting. You know, like, what do I care about a stick company? And it's what it's like, well, you know, there's like we just totally forgot about the fact that there's you know 50% of US households essentially uh using this and being served ads, maybe. I mean, that's another thing. Like, what percentage of people are seeing ads, right? Like, what is active accounts to hey, our favorite metric, monetizable daily active users, <laughs> right? So, how many how many well, bots are watching their Roku? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, but, but to be more precise with this one, like how, like literally how many people actually are, uh, how many households in your active accounts, you know, are served, uh, you know, uh, ads daily, right? I think they define active accounts as, uh, is it based on monthly? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, Roku's. But I mean, these are the, these are the types of things. Like, you know, what is, like, what is actually my audience that like what, when I'm dealing with the advertisers that like, you know, because in that case, potentially the ARPU is higher, right? Like if you're just assuming a decent amount of these uh, active accounts really are, are, you know, are not part of the, the platform generation. I mean, they may be in the sense of like, uh, there's a button and there's advertising and there's banner. Uh, but like, if you've got a Roku and you've got cable TV still hooked up to it and you know, it's, 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 you just watch sports or whatever, or like maybe the news in the morning in a kitchen, right? And then the other TV is uh, hooked up to YouTube uh, when you're watching everything else or, or Amazon uh, uh, Fire Stick, you know, or Cube or whatever, if like you're, you're, if you want to watch a long movie, right? Like you don't really know like how that pans out. Probably you, you'd never really know. Mm. But these are things that like, they can work in the direction. I mean, I get why, for example, they don't want to break out international yet because it's fucking minuscule. I mean, pardon the language, but uh, 
But you know what? It actually would be helpful. It really would be helpful if international looks like meta, okay? Right? Like if it looks like reality labs, all right? Because there's a ton of people who believe that there's no future for reality labs, right? Like they're just super skeptical. I mean, I don't know if you saw Jason Calcanis last week. Yeah. Yeah, but well, like he's, like, you me, know, my he's bros, like an, me and my boys want to go to Tokyo on the plane. We're we're not yeah. we're not doing this meta this Look, Oculus. I, shit. I mean, I hear his point. I'm in the same camp as him, and like you want to you know, look at the age range, but you know he's like an early technology adopter enthusiast champion. Okay, and you know I just watched uh, Halt and Catch Fire on AMC, which is just fantastic, and. Uh, I don't know how I miss this show, you know, like it hits every category for me in terms of tech, the 1980s and everything else. Uh, and there's like this just, you know, this running enthusiasm around technology and like what it was like this journey in the, in the PC all the way to the internet. And, you know, these people going through it, like, and money almost played no factor along the way, you know, and it's just like these personal relationships and, and what came out of it. and the adoption ultimately of like, what's the next thing and who's going to get on it. Right. And like believing that they would get their gaming is a big part of it. Right. And like, you know, this kind of shift from adventure games to like first party shooters. Right. And like, I don't understand why anybody would play doom. And then they start playing like, Oh, I get it. It's addictive. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You know? And, yeah. and, you know, going, going through that and you're like, you're like look, I, I use the Oculus hardcore, you know, right when it came out. And I mean, to the point of, you know, I spent almost four weeks exercising on Supernatural. Uh, I played a lot of ping pong, you know, with a friend. And everything that the Oculus Quest 2 does from a user, like, I didn't feel like this was something that was not satisfying me from a technological capability standpoint. I wasn't like, oh, this fucking table tennis sucks. The lag is too long, right? Not an issue. Right. I wasn't like, oh, I'm not getting a good workout doing this. And like, it, it's just fine. You know, do like, you know, like waving the sticks and moving your arms and like, it's, you know, the cardio aerobic element of supernatural with, 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 you know, the, the trainer and VR and like, you're like on the midst of a mountain or a bridge or whatever. Uh, it was great. Okay. But like you literally had to set aside a dedicated amount of time to it. That was fun but not practical for long-term use, you know, in contrast to just hopping on a Twitter spaces or something. Right. Or so when I look at that, I'm like, you know, I did a bunch of the space stuff, which was really cool. Uh, you know, you can do the uh, Soyuz rocket and like, you're like, like just sitting there and you go out into space and like, it's, it feels like you're moonwalking, uh, 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 sorry, spacewalking. And, you know, you go to Tokyo, like to his point, and like you see the bustle and the craziness, and it's just like, I mean, it's fun. You go, you're at the, you're at the base of Mount Mount Everest, right? And like it works in that sense, but you, you, it, it's, is it? I wouldn't say it's whether it's novelty or not. It's entertainment, and it's entertainment that has like whatever type of niche it has for it. Uh, and of course, it's no substitute for travel and it's no substitute for 
you know, competitive and real world sports because it does stimulate more than everything. Uh, but like, if you're going to be the platform that does that the best for planet earth. Okay. I mean, you're going to make a lot of money <laughs> off of it. You know, there's just no doubt about it. Uh, and if it gets to a point where, you know, it, it can be in, on and off right in two seconds. Right. And like, uh, there's more use cases that are, let's say more, more like augmented, uh, versus requiring full immersion. Right. Uh, that works better. And if like the full immersion, you know, uh, improves, you know, to a certain degree, uh, I think that that like, that's just a, a huge gaming industry, right? Like it's just going to be, you know, the gaming industry is like, you know, several hundred billion dollars a year. So to sit here and say that like, uh, it makes no sense. Yeah. Do I think it's going to be like some sort of social media 3.0, uh, that's like this kind of view of the metaverse or this like alternate reality, you know, uh, San Juper, what is it? What was it called? Jupirno on, on, uh, on, uh, black mirror. I, I never saw yeah, black mirror. Okay, where you upload your, like, it's just the virtual world where you upload yourself when you're dead mm -hmm. and like old people can actually come in and hang out in there. And like, you can use your body at any point in time of like your life. And, uh, you know, or, uh, the USS Callister where like the game is just so immersive that like you're physically off and it's a neural link. Right. And you're just in the world of the brain, which opens up all kinds of things. So like, if you can, can like trick my brain, like a dream, but like I'm Superman, then yes, there will be people who'll be in there for, for forever. <laughs> right. So like the, uh, like, I, 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 it's interesting to be at this point in time where that's being faulted, but you can understand that skepticism, you know, to go back to Roku, like if Roku is just like, we're burning a ton of cash here because, you know, we're just getting people on board and who we're going to sell TV ads to, right. It actually would be more helpful, you know, <laughs> because you're not going to have, you're going to have a bunch of investors. They're like, Oh, I know how they make money here. It's not hard. Right. Because, well, I, because I, they, will they will separate it from the U.S. business, which you will see, and then you can just kind of be like, "All right, like they're just kind of investing ahead of the curve here, and uh, this makes sense, and I can quantify it." Yeah, it's the it's but the old Amazon be, thing. Yeah, correct. It's simple. So, the to the extent that that they can do that and and bring it out, like, and show that like the costs are actually more skewed to that that you know very nascent uh international expansion okay and you can show me what and i mean and look there's good ways to do this that make it even look better for you if you're trying to do this right uh and and, and show me that there is a true cash cow already you know a, a a really impressive one with you know really nice ebitda margins uh in the north american business that's fucking great for the stock you know like make people give people like, I mean, yes, you cannot break out of the, the, all, all these terms and, and, and whatever, like, you know, the, the platform is so commingled, right. That's harder than, then split it and show us that there's like a, there's a, an investment drag going on here more than anything else. Uh, and 
Like, give us the the difference between active accounts in one market and the other. I mean, there's maybe ways this could work against them if the U.S. is, you know, not looking as good on on active account growth now. Uh, but like, you're like you're happy with the U.S. market share. All you care about if you're buying in the U.S. is is the next three or four years of 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 linear spend shifting the CTV and that just flowing a certain percentage of it, right? It comes in the top of the funnel, right? A certain percentage of it just comes out as, as free cash flow dollars, right? That's the view there. It should be not requiring any incremental investment at this point. Like that's the whole idea behind a platform. You're just there and you're capturing it as, as, as the, the acceleration shifts. If you're just visualizing it from, from linear into, uh, uh, into CTV. They don't are like that. That's been the whole thesis around the whole thing, but like it actually is hard to quantify. Looking at it, you know, underneath the hood, and getting a sense of like what's the investment around this. You know, how much are you trading off, and like what are your structural margins, right? Like nothing of that really seems to be like it, it, because it's just one pie. You know, you've seen some some pressure on on, on the platform uh, uh, margins. We obviously understand the pressure on the player margins and we have zero context on what's going on internationally so like yeah like that's something that like you're just you're, you're at a point in time where like you need to hold an investor day and, and, and explain all that so i do like the fact that you brought up twilio because that really uh it is kind of a reminder of like you know how like Nobody in SaaS wants to, like, there's like, there's like three Twilio bowls, you know, uh, left on the planet. <laughs> you know, like, the, I mean, there's, there, there are guys who last year, I'm not even talking about the cap. The cap is actually more objective. Uh, you know, like you can have a very constructive conversation with them about all this stuff. Uh, but I mean, there was people last year who are just like, this thing is a hundred billion dollar company. You don't understand it. Let me explain to you how messaging marks like i don't understand it i've been following it for six years you're explaining to me you know the twilio it's literally the same thing as the roku conversation it'd be like sitting on a, on a twitter space last year when advertising stocks were reporting triple digit growth some of them some of the big ones even right and having someone be like listen roku is it's not a tv player okay like it's not a hardware business and you're like oh my god <laughs> Right, those people now are bailing. So what does that tell you? I mean, the the Twilio Bros are, are buying Microsoft, and uh, you know, to a lesser degree, it's ServiceNow or Adobe or Oracle or whatever. Right, they won't touch this thing with a ten foot pole. Uh, I don't know where the Roku Bros are going. I mean, I've seen some of them. It seems like they're just buying more of the, uh, you know, more of like their, uh, you know. Uh, outperforming stocks, uh, whether it's a CrowdStrike or whatever, but like they're also still seem to be holding a lot of the ridiculously high valuation things that got absolutely rocked, like a an upstart or uh, or a cloud player. Well, it's just funny the you know the whole everybody's a long term investor of compounding hold and believe and yeah. And that's, which is, look, there's nothing wrong. I don't mean to tease. There's nothing wrong with updating your information and so on, but it is, it's just worth remembering that the next time the market goes into a collective bull rally in tech, 
because I think tech is always going to be the one that gets more people excited and then they talk about I'm in this forever and then it becomes easy to forever is a mighty long time. I mean, there's such a thing, really. I mean, advertising is the monetization of all these quasi tech businesses, call it that, right? That's really the story. I mean, again, like, you know, watching the uh, search engine and like going from the computer to the whatever and halt and catch fire, like you get like the idea. It's like, you know, you need to get to a certain point to sell the advertising. And uh, I mean, I guess this, the the astute way to do this right now for anybody is like, say, you know, you want to make a trade here, take a 10% or a 5% allocation, right? And buy the basket of all advertising related names. Remove Twitter because of the deal, all right, where the risk reward is now deteriorating uh, in terms of just, you know, maybe Elon gets hit by a bus, God forbid. But, you know, there's a lot of things that w- where you look at this now and you're just like, it's, it's either a, a 15 to $20 stock, right? Or it's like, you know, somewhere between 47 and, uh, and 5420. <laughs> and, uh, it, obviously the percentages skew highly in that direction, but like not much of that is going to change between now till the deal date. Right. So like it should just, it should narrow, narrow gradually till, uh, sorry, till the trial date. Right. And you will always be taking on a little bit of that trial risk, even though it now just looks like 99 point, you know, 1% uh, is if this is thrown to the judge, he loses. <laughs> uh, then he's got to kind of hope the appeals court takes another, another view, which would be surprising. Uh, and then like, you know, how much you can, how much you can squeeze them on not wanting to settle and whether or not he even wants that look for himself, right? Like, sorry, not wanting to honor the actual full obligation there. So why not get whatever he can get before that date? Right. And like, if, if he can come back to his investors and be like, I got 4 billion off by doing all this and, you know, it cost me like $40 million. Right. That's still a win, but you're getting no exposure to the ad bucket, right? So like if you took Trade Desk, Roku, uh, you know, Meta, uh, Snapchat, Pinterest, you know, Google to a way lesser extent uh, because it has outperformed and uh, it's held up better. But like if you put them all together, just like to not pick anything and said, these businesses make money off of this. Uh, we can see that even YouTube was down to 4%, right? And just say that, uh, yes, the landscape is more competitive, but that's not what, like, that's not what's caused all these stocks to suck so badly in such a short time period. And they deserve to underperform, okay? But now kind of just like what we went through with like booking, right? Like booking being such a great buy, you know, at $2,000, in August, when there's a ton of hundred times sales stocks and and you know ludicrous IPOs and crypto scams going crazy and everything else, right? And you fast forward a year later, you know, almost a year later, whatever it was, six months later, and you know, uh, Roku's down eighty percent, Netflix down seventy, you know, Microsoft down thirty forty, and you're green. Uh, you, you actually have to start getting anxious, right? And 
because the outperformance hasn't really come in absolute gains of significance, even though you were like, you were thinking, I'm going to buy this at two, it's going to go to three, right? Like, come on, this is a high quality business. And 2022 is a tailwind year for them versus a headwind year for all these other ones. That's that got so crazy. So like advertising is the same thing right now, right? Like now you have a bunch of stuff that started to recover. Okay. Around the fact that, Hey, Consumption is still fine. Savings is great, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, employment's going to slow down. Yeah, inflation is still a headwind. Okay, yeah, rates are higher. Uh, yeah, longer-term valuations are lower, et cetera. But then there's this other group where it's like, oh, I don't want to touch them. <laughs> you know? It's like, this is, like, I mean, just look at, the like, every single one of these that has reported, and when they get criticized, and, like, the desire to put each name in a specific unique problem. Snapchat, it's like, you know, you'll get five posts where it's like, I asked my kid and he's, 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 he's only, only on TikTok. It's like the metrics didn't show that, right? It's like Twitter, uh, just a complete disaster, broken business. Hey, it grew advertising revenue at the same rate as YouTube, right? Uh, you know, Google, it's just fucking fantastic. It's great. Hey, YouTube just grew 4%, you know, like, and you're down to whatever it is about like 10% on search, which has benefited a lot from travel. And, and, and dining out, right? So, like, you you could actually kind of discount some of their outperformance and point out in the other area that they have the same underperformance as everybody else. You know, Meta, oh, Zuckerberg is completely lost in the metaverse. He's destroying, you know, destroying value. And uh, you know, there's all this controversy now. I don't know if you followed it last week with the Kardashians and everybody pissed off about Reels. Instagram, right? yep, 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 yep. Can't miss like, that. Let, yeah, let Instagram be Instagram, not TikTok, right? Like we're using both for different reasons. Okay. And that that kind of feedback loop and you know, Cheryl's out and everything else. And you know, Facebook is a dying business. Who logs into Facebook anymore? But you know, uh, you know, 80-year-olds on their deathbed. Uh <laughs> <laughs> like who knows the way that people characterize it and then you just look at the metrics and you're like look if you think twitter is lying what about all these other guys <laughs> you know like uh i mean I, I would much more connect to that being like i haven't opened blue in ages and i look at blue's numbers and i look at instagram's numbers i've barely been using instagram right so like but i know i'm an exception right to most people but you look at those and you're just like okay like you can't make an argument that the engagement is dying. There's definitely an argument that there's a new player who came in and, and took, you know, uh, an, inc an incremental several billion a quarter, okay, which I think is more meaningful to Snapchat. Uh, but I mean, the head the heads up with that is like, you know, it's Facebook. It's still like you're probably talking about like a five percent overall headwind, you know, in that in that market share um, to all of them. Right, so that doesn't explain what just happened recently, and like when you take that and you put it all together, you're just like, why wouldn't you want to buy some of these names here and uh, and see where we're at, you know, a year from today, uh, versus com like coming out and trying to like, I mean, the Roku Netflix is the best, right? There's a unanimous agreement that Roku is a winner. Netflix is going to add support it, right? <laughs> like they're introducing that, and yeah. Look at the debate around Netflix before it reported. Just like 
that how much time is spent focusing on, you know, I've had so many back and forth with people about how bad the gray man is, right? I'm like, I enjoyed it. They blew up some shit, thought it was funny. And yeah, it's not Mr. Nobody, you know, uh, it's not, uh, what's his name? Uh, Denzel Washington and, uh, uh, what's the one with, uh, the little girl man on fire. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's like, you know, it's like a badass. uh, you know, the, uh, all the offshoots off of, uh, uh, Liam Neeson and, uh, taken but like the, you know this is one where like you know kidnapping and he becomes friends with a little girl and like he needs to save the little girl and they, they they develop kind of this camaraderie they try and then like you know born with matt damon and the cia i just and like a rope ro- uh, i just finally watched john wick on the plane yeah, so it's another one you know that, that's actually i completely forgot about that so that category has had so many well executed you know, I nobody is like the best version of it yet. Like you didn't think they could come up with another way of doing it better. Odenkirk nails that. And like these guys tried to put it all into one, right? They have like a, a young kid relationship with Gosling. They've got the born thing. You're moving all around the world. Right. And like there's some rogue people in, in the CIA, uh, NSA who like are trying to cover up something and, and like misusing the agency's assets. Uh, you know, for this program, you know, where like, you know, they pulled him out of prison, right? Versus like this one where like they, you know, administer them drugs, right? And uh and it's got kind of like this badass fighting, you know, ability where like they're the unassuming guy is just like really capable of uh taking anybody down. Uh and it throws in kind of like, you know, uh an annoyingly sinister uh person which I think Chris Evans does a great job playing. Uh uh chasing him around uh but it does none of those things very well right and it tries to put them all into one versus like nobody really kind of focused on the loner uh trading day 100 focus on the relationship between him and the girl uh uh, uh born you know 100 around like this like rogue program agent uh cia stories by type of uh dynamic and, and like yeah they threw these into a pod and they came out with like a mediocre version of all of them. uh but with some good action and and they, they paid like you know like gosling and and evans right uh a lot of money like it's funny you got all these great actors and like it was just kind of subpar even billy bob thornton like when you think about him and how good he is in like a fargo and then he's just like a a total afterthought in this you're like what's the point of him yeah, and right. the RMS, yeah, some good names in here. Wagner Mortar, yeah, deep cast. So, like, that, like, people will sit there and be like, This is why Netflix sucks, <laughs> you know, and be like, This app, like, this business doesn't work. And I, I'll say, I kind of enjoyed that movie for what it delivered way more than Thor and Multiverse of Madness because I had these expectations for those. That was like, Oh, these are my two favorite remaining characters from the entire Marvel saga right of the last fucking 20 years and uh they essentially put them in movies where like they did they had like no visible directional arc with a bigger story and they're like the you know it's like watching what they were doing on tuesday and wednesday if they were real people <laughs> you know like it just 
it, it didn't fit. And like there was, it was also formulaic. I mean, Taiki Watiti is a great actor. He did, he did a fantastic job with Rag and Rock. And you can see that without the relationship between him and, uh, and the Hawk to play off of, right. It like, wasn't as good. Like you remove Hawk and Loki, uh, for like the comedic element and, and the rapport. And he doesn't establish that rapport very well with anybody else uh, that they put in that movie. And like, even with the, the, uh, the guardians of the galaxy, which was essentially a cameo of like two minutes at the very beginning. Right. Like he actually had good back and forth with them. So they're like, we'll do a little bit of this. We'll take a little bit of that, you know, put, put it all together. And like, this is what, and they ended up with something that just sucked. So, I mean, when you look at that and you say people focus on that and you're just like, all that really matters from that place is like, this is just part of the business model. And, you know, that's how they come up with the guidance of they're going to add 1 million uh, subscribers, you know, in the midst of all this chaos that's going on. Right. It's predictable. And you see it in the human behavior because, you know, you watch these shows on these other networks and then you cancel immediately and you just don't cancel network Netflix. Because the other network gets you like one or two. So like, yeah, this whole thing of like Netflix is broken and it turns out this way. And then Roku is just like so consensus that the secular story is working out so well, right? And all of a sudden, there's a bunch of people who just completely throw in the towel. And they're like, I don't know, whatever what it was that I thought was going to happen, it's clearly not going to happen. I'm going to sell it at like, you know, the low range it was trading at in 2019. So like, that's probably an indicator. Uh, the same thing with Meta, right? Where like build a basket around these and take the bet you outperform everybody else in tech if you want to do it long short, for example. You know, build a back basket of these versus uh, 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 infrastructure, security, something, whatever, right? Uh, the QQQ, okay? And believe that like over the next 12 months, you generate alpha, like being, you know, neutral in tech and betting that these guys outperform because there's no way, like, just like we said last year this time, that this was as good as it gets for online advertising businesses. This is about as bad as it can be sentiment-wise relative to everything else for online advertising businesses. Yeah, makes makes for an interesting setup. Um, I think think we need to wrap, but that's uh, that's, fine. that's a good spot to stop. Good stuff, and yeah, Roku. I, I it's it's enough here. I, I want to like I'm. I've sort of freed up some capital and sort of interested in doing some work. And uh, yeah. I do not recommend it. <laughs> I, I, I hear you, but just the space in general, the general. Point I mean, of- you, you, you know where my, where my logs are and where like, I actually, look, there's one thing we didn't get into here, which, you know, we'll say for another day in terms of the macro, but like when the VIX comes down uh, and like, you clearly see some regrossing and you see some kind of violent versions of it. It's actually a good environment to be both long and short again. Right, without having to wake up every week and be like, did this news matter to my name, or why is my name moving like this? And like the, like you know, going back to this whole 20 percent, you know, twenty five percent type of band, I think you could end up doing way better in some of these crazy stocks now. Like, I mean, essentially, Roku is a hundred percent gain from here back to last quarter, right? So there's a lot of these names now where, what's in the price is 
people just exiting in mass, you know, because they just have no visibility. And no visibility for an industry that has an established uh, business model, yeah, it's not going to look like the last decade, right? But it's also not going to look like, uh, you know, April to the end of June ever again. You know? So, that, like, you know, the whole concept of contrarian is like that, like, you know, you're not sitting here trying to predict whether or not uh, X, Y, and Z EV company bids. You're just like, like this is the pie. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna buy the pie here and see how it pans out. Right. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, Akram. We'll have to do another one soon. All right. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Razor's Edge. Subscribe to this wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman and at Akram's Razor with suggestions, requests, or anything else. We aim to publish this every Tuesday morning and love to hear from you. If you can share this with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really be grateful as that will help the podcast grow and improve. This has been a Shortman Studios production. Our theme song is Move On by Soquel. Thank you for listening and see you next week.